So I'm assuming that you watched uh, His Girl Friday immediately after watching this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I watch it every Friday. I I haven't seen it in uh, quite a few years, but I caught on pretty quick. Like, oh, because I remember dad telling me that it was, uh, uh, oh, yeah, in the original, uh, they're both men. I was like, well, I'm glad they made this change. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Jason. I'm Laura. And welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award uh, scoop. It's a scoop. It's a scoop. We are watching every Best Picture winner and nominee from 1927 onwards, and this episode is number 021, The Front Page. That's right, The Front Page, everybody. I know. If we were better at it, I would want to talk as quickly as the people in this movie, but my... We're going to put The Front Page on The Front Page. No, take that little dog story off The Front Page. We're going to put this right... i got to take it out to print. So yeah, my brain and my mouth just cannot work like that. Take out the little dog stealing the president. Oh my God, yeah. I can't believe people could talk that quickly yeah i don't even know what i meant there by the little dog stealing the president i just imagine our little white dog kidnapping the president apparently i mean the current president i'd be fine with but uh oh no he's not bringing him here yeah no he's uh no the only orange person i want to see right now is gritty in this household no (laughs) no one else orange is he a person or is he a semi-divine being well i think there's a whole mythology around gritty that they have found him when they were uh demolishing uh the building that would become the stadium so uh he's he's an uh, he's one of the old ones oh yeah that makes sense that I, tracks it absolutely does but uh let's see what what so we're doing the front page and uh should we yep. uh explain how we score uh yeah let's talk a little bit about what we do here first we cover the story we just kind of go over the plot and add our little commentaries and things like that. Hopefully they're a little bit insightful. And I even notice right now that I'm talking a little bit more quickly than I usually do. I know we're infected, infected by uh, early thirties reporter types. I know it's a very fast talking uh, newspaper drama. Uh, it's often considered to be the first screwball comedy, actually. A screwball comedy, huh? Yep. Yep. Of which we, there are, are many in the thirties. So I'm, yeah, and it's, it's it a genre I really, really like. So it didn't really strike me as that screwball. Well, that's but. because there's no real like Catherine Hepburn or Carol Lombard or Rosalind Russell character, which I think really helped screwball comedies come alive and help bring in more interesting female characters. I mean, I think once again, one of the weakest links in this movie is it's just the lack of a really interesting female character. So it's kind of a theme. It in is. Our, in our movies up in to our this movies, point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So after we review the plot of the movie, we go on to rate it on several major categories that includes acting, writing, cinematography, and then we kind of give it an overall score. And then we go on to bonus rounds to give the movie a chance to get some bonus points for, uh, you know, little things like costumes and set, its boldness, its longevity, uh, things like that. Yeah. Any thoughts, uh, beginning into this? Going into this? Um, I feel like it was a good movie that was maybe a little bit too much of its time Yeah, in that I just, I didn't pick up the parlance that they were using a lot of the time. It's a very topical movie of, of like the early thirties and very snappy. Uh, Again, one of those movies that could have only succeeded in talkie format. I think it was a strong example once again of what talkies could be. Mm-hmm. And that it really succeeded, I think. Yeah, yeah, it would have made a terrible silent movie. Yeah, 
(laughs) Should we go right ahead into the summary? Uh, Yeah, let's go ahead and get this thing started. All right. Based on the Broadway play that became the basis for the better-known 1940 film His Girl Friday, Lewis Milestone, who you'll remember as the director of last year's winner, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, directed The Front Page. And it begins with an intertitle claiming this takes place in a mythical kingdom, which we soon learn is most likely Chicago. Yeah, I it was a little bit puzzling at first, but I guess they just really, really didn't want people to think it was Chicago because Chicago is really defensive of itself. <laughs> just based off of these movies, like whenever it's like clearly Chicago, it's like, no, it's it's I guess elsewhere. Yeah, Chicago at this time must still have had a bit of the Wild West like unlawful reputation in that it seems like most of dangerous things were considered to happen in Chicago and you know you dare not speak its name are we still in prohibition era mm-hmm. okay yeah so that that makes sense oh yeah I mean I think they were king of the bootleggers yeah definitely wild west in terms of lots of guns <laughs> lots and lots of guns and uh but also one of the things I really liked right off the bat was the uh the title sequence I thought was really clever how they oh yeah it's like a newspaper where uh like the they have the headshot of each uh actor like they're in a newspaper article and like their names like as headlines so I thought that was cool and it was a nice way to kind of uh set the tone very yeah. tongue-in-cheek it's and, a very tongue-in-cheek and it also gave us a name a face to put to the name yes exactly so you're like oh so that's Georgie Stone is uh, very helpful. Anyways, we open on uh, a prison. A weight is tied to a rope as guards test out the gallows in preparation for the execution of prisoner Earl Williams, who's played by Georgie Stone. There you go. Yeah. In the building nearby, the guards are heckled by a group of reporters assigned to the case. Inside their stuffy office, the reporters are bombarded by calls from newspaper honcho Walter Burns, played by Adolf Menju, Asking where his ace reporter Hildy Johnson is, played by Pat O'Brien. And uh, that's the standing ovation for Pat O'Brien we just heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so these are now, correct me if they're, they're all working for different papers in this newsroom. That's what I eventually yeah. picked up. There, yeah. There's a sense of camaraderie and competition all at the same time. Right. And we see throughout that each one has like a different spin on uh each headline um that's uh uh it's pretty funny like each uh reporter for a different newspaper will like sneak in uh different information that is totally made up yeah yeah just kind of they they spice up the story a little bit differently each one of them and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that uh each paper has like a different thing they want to portray like they want to make it more romantic they want to make it more violent they want to make it more this and so the reporters respond in kind Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, anyways, Walter Burns was played by Cary Grant in His Girl Friday, and Hildy Johnson, who's played by Pat O'Brien in this, was, of course, changed to a woman in His mm-hmm. Girl Friday, is played by uh, Rosalind Russell. And, uh, you know, in this movie, Burns and Johnson are uh, frenemies, basically. Um, right. Where uh, Hildy feels used by Burns. He's been put him in dangerous situations with not a lot of payoff, but they both have like a grudging respect for each other. Um, whereas in His Girl Friday, they're ex-husband and ex-wife. So there's... Uh, yeah, which changes the chemistry completely. Right. And I have to admit, for the better oh, absolutely. In, the, in the later film. Absolutely. 
I mean, I feel like if it were remade today, they'd either both be men or both be women and still in love with each other, which would be cool. But, you know, I think the, in 1940, they were like, we should make the this needs more romance. I know. And of course, it's. Dead. Yeah. Well, and also it in the 1940s, it made a uh, it drew attention to the fact that she was a female reporter. Yes. And and a dang good one. Yeah. And a dang good one. So I think that also kind of built some more interest into it in that. OK, here's this female reporter and she's kind of like negotiating this this male dominated world. Right. To a certain extent. And yeah, there's romance. Yeah, he wants her back romantically, but he also wants her back because he knows she's the best reporter. Mm-hmm. And so that's and it's, and that's refreshing. But we just yeah, we don't get that kind of strong female presence in this. No, we, we really don't. But while Burns is calling around wondering where the heck Hildy is, Hildy is obtaining a marriage license with his fiancee, Peggy Grant, played by Mary Bryan. Although Peggy has her doubts about how serious Hildy is about leaving Burns and the paper, Hildy assures her that he is committed to leaving New York, leaving for New York with her and her mother. She gives him $500, which is just an astronomical amount back then, for safekeeping, and he goes off to tell Burns in person that he's leaving. Burns is doubtful and tries talking him around, but Hildy sneaks out of the bar they've met, they've met at through the fire escape. You know, and this is really... I, I think an example of once again trying to uh, transplant a stage work in onto film. These early scenes take place in all these different locations because they know that eventually it's all going to center around the the newspaper office by the prison. Right. And so they're they're trying to I think utilize sets as much as possible. Him going down the water, the fire escape at the bar, and everything. So yeah, they get some good cinematography out. Oh, they really here. do. The cinematography is uh, excellent in this. For for something that was exactly a play yeah. that they were recording, they did they did some good work, and they definitely put some effort into making it a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more of a movie rather than kind of stationing a camera and shooting it. And I think yeah, milestone once again. You know, he proved it in All Quiet on the Western Front, how good he is with a camera. And he proves it again here in a movie that is obviously less serious in tone and more right. about like character interactions than something global like a war. Right. Um, so after Hildy escapes, he drops by the reporter's office by the prison to say goodbye. But he is clearly having a hard time letting go of this life uh, of being a newspaper reporter. They're talking about, you know, what they're what they're doing there and just kind of like the story that's developing and Hildy is, you can just see him getting drawn into this. Oh, drawn in. And, uh, you know, he's probably used to being kind of, uh, big man, uh, in that room. Mm -hmm. And they tease him a lot for getting married. Yeah. For falling in love. Yeah. It's a lot of good back and forth, uh, between, uh, lots, lots of good banter. That's the word for it. Yeah. 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 Again, they they rib him quite a bit. Um, they are the the characters in the newsroom are not the most likable. No. In in my opinion. Um, they're just like a little bit odious, not like the worst, not not traitor horn levels of odious, but they are kind of mean to each other and they are I guess not the most enlightened, definitely, when it comes to women. No. Um and they also, when Hildy mentions that he's going to go to New York, I specifically remember this. They recall some reporters from New York coming for some other story. And there is um, a, a little bit of, bit of homophobia going oh, on yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're sissies. They're, uh, 
yeah, yeah. just language like that uh, kind of, you know, paint them all as, you know, basically hothouse flowers. Again, I think kind of uh, illustrating uh, the stark difference in culture between Chicago and New York and the fact that Chicago is definitely not as enlightened, perhaps socially <laughs> <laughs> at this point in time. Right, right. Well, and also who even knows if what they're saying is true. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's just probably bitterness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so also on the scene is, uh, the sheriff, a pompous man named, uh, Sheriff Hartman played by Clarence Wilson. And likewise, uh, May Clark's self-proclaimed streetwalker, Molly Malloy and, uh, played, played by May Clark, correct? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure that I read that correctly. Sorry yeah, that. no, May Clark was probably one of the more popular actresses of the time. Uh, she was most famous for getting a uh, the same year in a Public Enemy, getting uh, a grapefruit smashed into her face by Jimmy Cagney. And she was also in the first Frankenstein movie. So there you oh, go. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, so Molly comes by to ask them to take, uh, to take back this uh, story that they've been developing misrepresenting her relationship with the prisoner Williams as a romantic one. And she kind of tells her story uh, saying that she was there kind of to help him with his defense by presenting him as a character witness. She apparently took him in when, uh, when he was, I don't know if it was like after the shooting or anything like I think, that. Yeah. Right. Before he had just lost his job. That's what really gets him on this downward spiral. And he just talked to her for a long time. And they yeah. just they just developed a friendship. And she's really, you know, this streetwalker, the most decent person <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Actually. And um, I think, you know, it's the only time and it's very brief. We see the reporters kind of shamed. You know, she tells him you don't have a shred of human decency. You don't care about him or about telling the truth. And she leaves. And there is like a moment of silence where they kind of consider what she said. But then they move on and continue being sort of being cow- who they are. Being yeah. who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Williams was arrested for murdering a cop during a communist demonstration, which Molly and he claim he only joined because he was driven to desperation after losing his job of 14 years. Uh, so that's another theme of the sheriff and um, I guess the mayor as well, who we don't actually ever see, do we? We, don't we do. See the he's, ma- a, he's a guy who's kind of in the cowboy hat. Uh, I thought that was the judge. Uh, nope, that was the mayor. Oh, gosh, I'm all turned around on well, this. Well, I mean, again, early 30s Chicago, I mean. They probably mentioned it and it was just too fast. It's too fast. You have to understand these people are talking like 30 miles an hour. It's just like. It's hard. It's easy to miss things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, the, they keep talking about the Red Menace. Yeah. Which I was a little bit uh, surprised by because I thought that it was a term that came out later. But I guess even in the early 30s, people were worried about the the Red Menace. You and- don't. Yeah, you don't think of it that much because it was not yet such like a governmental crackdown. It was more just, oh, the revolution in Russia happened not too long ago. And, oh, it's kind of spreading over here. Oh. People are upset that they've lost all of their jobs. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there are definitely plenty of demonstrations, especially in a place like Chicago. Oh, God, yeah. A city that we're at the height of the Great Depression at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's a hot button issue to get votes with. Yeah. If you're, I guess, um, whatever party they belong to. I have no clue. No. I mean, I don't think that's considered important, really. Yeah. It's important. It's just they're corrupt. 
yeah, they're corrupt and they really want this um this execution to happen, it seems like. Yeah. Uh the sheriff and mayor played by James Gordon. Oh yeah, there's the answer to my question earlier. <laughs> it's like if he has a credit, then clearly he's, he's, in, he's in it. Uh so they're determined to hang Williams because the uh one of the reasons is that the cop that this man shot was black. And the mayor is counting on the black vote during the upcoming election, which is something like two days away. Yeah. And yeah, this whole plot point that they just, you know, zoom by and don't really spend much time on is very prescient and uh, does add layers because obviously civil rights is, you know, not wasn't a thing invented by the 60s. And yet there's also the layer of the fact that, uh, you know, it was a cop and this guy was driven to desperation. So it's very. Yeah, I don't know where this movie falls in terms of race. I'm they don't care. I don't. Uh, think. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to say like slightly on the negative side of neutral. Yeah. Like one of one of the comments when uh, when Hildy announces that he's getting married is like, well, is she white? Yeah, it's it's definitely I, and that would have, again, not been talked about after the Hayes Code, um, just even implied that he'd marry somebody not white. And of course, you know, it's not like the so censorship is just so nuts because, you know, they're saying it in a derogatory racist way. But, you know, that's not why uh, the censorship came in. They just didn't want to even acknowledge that such a thing could happen, that such a thing could happen. So nothing here is really done for the right reason in this time period. Yeah, yeah, it's it was a little bit disappointing. And also just like the mention mentions of whiteness kind of come up here and there and they aren't like super cut and clear. Mm -mm. So that's that's another way where I think that like if I had the context of the time, I would have a more comfortable time determining it as as racist or neutral. But that's kind of like the two categories that I think that they're going to fall into. Yeah. These, these mentions of people's race. Um, there is also a suggestion that maybe seeking out the black vote was not cool um, or pandering or, or, or pandering or manipulative. It's hard to get a bead on on how that was actually supposed to be interpreted. Because we're not someone from 1930s Chicago. And, you know, um, I, the black vote was relatively new at this point, too. Um, That's true. So I think it was, you know, white people grappling about how to uh, cope with that, basically, and, right. and fit it in. And one thing I almost kind of respect about this movie is that there is no, like, moral judgment call. There, it's just like a reporter should be, just just the facts. This is how these people talk. This is how these people think. We're not going to pass judgment either way. But mm -hmm. it does make it uncomfortable at times. Yeah, it does. It does. And you don't have that um, kind of romantic chemistry from His Girl Friday yeah. to kind of offset that, mm -hmm. which I think makes the movie a little bit maybe maybe a little bit bolder, which we'll go into, but yeah, I, also a little bit more difficult to watch because yeah. it does feel a little bit dry. At it points. does. It does. I was not emotionally moved by this movie. I respect a lot about it, but I did not feel mm -hmm. during it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good way to summarize it. Yeah. Um, so the sheriff, um, has brought in i don't know who brings in the alienist aka a psychiatrist yeah <laughs> um but apparently there is 
has been a series of, quote, alienists, which is an archaic term for psychologists or psychiatrists. They've brought him in to meet with uh, the prisoner, Williams, and the alienist wants Williams to reenact the crime. When the alienist hands Williams the gun, which he has borrowed from the sheriff. Yes. Yeah, the sheriff just hands him a gun. And this this plot point, I feel, is just like a little bit far-fetched and ridiculous, but I think that's kind of the point, I right. guess. Like, none of these idiots know what they're doing. Uh, yeah, so Sheriff Hartman hands this alienist the gun, who hands it to Williams, and asks Williams, the, the alienist says, like, okay, so you're standing here, I'm standing there, and then you shot him. Show me, like, what happened. And so Williams just shoots him in the gut, which is horrible but uh and yeah it turns out that there's still bullets in the gun they didn't do anything to make this safe and uh williams kind of considers it an accident because he was you know told to do it told to do it and assumed that these people knew what they were doing (laughs) right right and in the chaos that follows williams actually escapes uh hildy learns of the escape just as he's about to leave and this is what draws him back in so all of a sudden scoop yeah and he can't he can't leave his his good friend uh burns in in the lurch there without a good story you know right so despite reassuring his fiance peggy over the phone that he will meet her and her mother at the train station he actually runs around and he pays an informant a large sum of money to uh get exclusive information and this is also the money that was given to him by peggy for safekeeping that is going to help them start their life in in new york it's all the fa- all the money she and her mother have yeah there's also not quite a clear reason why they're moving to new york i, I think to get away from burns and <laughs> to the paper because i you know peggy does not approve of the way burns does things yeah there's um I don't know. To me, it felt like a little bit like a hole. It's not the worst hole Mm-mm. that that we've seen in the plot, but it's kind of weird that she's like, OK, so I'm going to marry this newspaper man, but I don't like that he's a newspaper man. Right. So I'm going to move across the country to a different state, to a nice city, too. But he's not going to be a reporter in New York. It's like, why? What attracted to you to this guy? Because newspaper is his whole life. Reporting is his whole life. Like, yeah, yeah, their, they, their relationship they, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it definitely does not have the chemistry that you get from his girl Friday. No. Uh, which would have been interesting if it did. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, you know, in his girl Friday, Peggy is played by a man because, you know, it's kind of a love triangle between Rosalind Russell, Cary Grant, and I can't even remember the name of the poor schlub. The plays, other one. The other one. He, yeah, oh, the actor... He uh, he was known for like playing like the other man <laughs> to Cary Grant in movies. Like, oh no! It's like, oh gosh, what a career to build. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, so Hildy calls up the paper, you know, letting them know about the scoop and what he's paid for it, and also demands his money to be reimbursed because you know he's not to, heartless. He knows that it's his fiance's yeah, money. Like, yeah, two hundred whatever dollars is you know appropriate for a newspaper buying a story but a lot of money for someone who's just trying to start their life in new york right um and while hildy's alone in the office because all the other reporters have have ran off to get their own scoops williams the prisoner enters through the window exhausted from his escape 
Hildy initially hides him in the bathroom, but Molly, our honorable streetwalker, catches them and agrees to keep quiet. Hildy calls both Walter and Peggy with the news, but when the other reporters try coming back in, he's locked the door. Hildy panics and hides William in a desk with like a slight, how do you describe that kind of desk? It's like a, uh, gosh, I don't know how to rolling desk, rolling top. Yeah. Rolling top desk. There, there we go. go. That's the technical <laughs> term. Don't correct us. It's rude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to take pressure off Hildy and Williams, Molly comes to the report, claims to the reporters. She knows where Williams is. They try bullying the truth out of her, and in a panic, she jumps out the window and ends up in the hospital, which was just a real turn of events. Yeah, real that was one part shift. that I felt was actually kind of weak, too, because yeah. she just kind of like, oh, no, you're not going to get this out of me. Time to jump out the, the window. window. It's like they were blocking her exit. It's true. But it's just like, what does this movie suddenly become? Slow down. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a bit much because and, you know, she didn't try to like you know, gently climb out the window. She just kind of like stamps onto the windowsill and drops backwards for ultimate death. I mean, we don't hear, you know, uh, it's implied she survives initially because they take her to the hospital, but we never hear from Molly again or about her. But I mean, it's a good way to get the reporters focused on her. That's true. That's so she, again, the most honorable person in this movie. (laughs) So I wish I knew if that were purposeful or not. Yeah, that's the thing. Because everything is such like a lightning fast pace, it's hard to know what the movie is really trying to tell us. Yeah, or what the characters are really trying to do sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Walter, our head honcho, arrives, and so does Peggy's mother. Peggy told her mother about Hildy hiding Williams, and to keep her quiet, Walter has his associate, Jacoby, drag her away in a taxi, which is a pretty hilarious scene. He just kind of grabs her by the face and pulls her into a taxi like, well... Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, Jacoby is some sort of mobster that the newspaper mm-hmm. just has on hand for various needs. For Chicago, baby. Various goon needs. When you need a goon, you call Jacoby. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And speaking of goons and Jacoby, when Jacoby first shows up, uh, Hildy tries to get his money. Right. That he that he paid uh, that he's going to get reimbursed from the paper from Jacoby. And so Jacoby gives him some sort of hilariously bad loan of the money more or less he basically says all right um i'll take your your uh your demand of 260 dollars and i'll give you like 150 right and of course he's taking advantage of uh Kildy's need to get this money quickly so he can get to the train station so he can get to new york yes it's there are like so many little details in this movie that were impossible to encompass in this summary. But yeah, that's just one of them in passing by. I think Jacoby's supposed to be funny, but he's also just an evil person. He is. There and again, I, I sort of respect the movie for not, you know, taking the time to morally condemn anyone. It's just like, well, here's what it is. Yeah. Um and more mishaps occur, believe it or not. The taxi is in an accident and Peggy's mother goes missing. The mayor and sheriff attempt to bribe a court messenger into not delivering William's pardon from the governor. Again, they really want that black vote. And Walter inadvertently reveals William's hiding place to one and all, because earlier he had told Williams that I will knock three times and that will be your signal that it's me and that you can open up. And when everyone kind of figures out, all the reporters, that Williams and Walter or Walter and Hildy know where Williams is, 
Uh, Walter very emphatically goes, I do not know. And he like slams his like hand down for emphasis like three times on the desk. And that's when Williams opens it up to reveal himself to everybody. Um, lol. Lol, lol, lol. Um, but all ends happily for Williams when Pincus the messenger, who's played by a uh, other uh, Lewis Milestone favorite, Lewis uh uh, Slim Somerville, whom I miscalled Slim Hayward uh, in the last episode. Uh, he they, they they get him drunk and they try to bribe him, but even drunk, he kind of retains a bit of his morality and refuses to be bribed because, I mean, let's face it, he would be condemning a man to death. So he delivers the pardon in front of everybody. Uh, Peggy's m- mother returns safely and Hildy and Peggy reconcile and agree to head to New York. Walter finally relents and agrees to let Hildy go and gives him his watch as a wedding present. After they leave, however, Walter calls the cops and says that son of a has stolen his watch. <laughs> um, and in the uh, stage play, they actually say son of a bitch. But, uh, but, you know, because even pre-code, they can allow that. Uh, he says son of a and then kind of lands on a typewriter, which does a little ding to uh, kind of cover up what he's saying. So obviously. He's like not willing to let Hildy go and is going to have him arrested and detained to keep him in Chicago. So and that's that's where the movie Aww. ends. And there, like I said, a lot. All of this is just the it's almost like a cliche now of the fast talking reporters. But it was like invented in this film. And so there are like a mil- and million things happening at once. So there are just so many details that we've missed in the summary. But that's the basic gist of this crazy movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot in this movie and it gets very, you know, tightly crammed into um I think it was like an hour and 40. Yes, yes. Um and- but a lot happens. There's a lot of development that we've kind of missed, but that's the general story. That is the general story. You, you get you get the idea. You get the I mean and again, it's kind of like uh, you know, the sort of story these reporters are writing really fast paced, really dense, but you don't really know what they're saying or what their stances or how much is true. Yeah. And I also liked, uh, the reporters, not each, every one of them, but, um, several of them had kind of like these quirks. Yes. That you could definitely see like a group of, you know, eccentric newspaper reporters, which they all seem to be. Right. Uh, (laughs) Um, the most prominent is Edward Everett Horton as this germaphobe who and Edward Everett Horton I know as being the narrator for the Fractured Fairy Tales in, oh, in the yeah. uh, old uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. But he was kind of a staple um, speaking of, you know, the whole sissy stereotype. He was kind of the uh, uh, wink, wink, he's gay, but we're not going to really say it. He's just going to be portrayed as this kind of sissy. And um, so he's, I think he's prominent. It's his desk that Williams is hiding in. And so throughout they're trying to keep him from that desk even mm-hmm. though he wants like his aspirin and this and that. But yeah, the reporters, you know, they're not Hollywood pretty. They're, uh, they're and without that glamour. They do kind of seem more like people you'd meet, but really smart. Yeah. One, one of them plays the banjo poorly. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, I forgot about old banjo guy. <laughs> one of them has a very distinct laugh and he kind of like Betty does for everything. Oh yeah. He like, ah, ah, uh, yeah, uh, he thinks he's very hilarious when he drops his lines to his paper. And it's just, you can imagine that laugh driving everyone mad hearing it so often. <laughs> so it is, this movie does a great job at just establishing characters without hammering home. Like, this is their quality and this is who they are as a person. Yeah. This is their morality. 
So well, I respect that. And that was something that we noticed in the credit sequence when they're, you know, going through the paper, showing their pictures and their names each and every time. Uh, it's a large cast, mm-hmm. but they managed to give at least a little bit of character to each one of them. And a lot of it is kind of through these like leap motifs that they just give them, like the laugh or the banjo or something like that, that makes them a little bit more distinct from each other than yes. you otherwise would have gotten right and they feel very like lived in like you really do get the feeling this is all in median rest that these people have been doing this for years mm-hmm. and so they don't feel the need to like take the time and establish themselves as characters and i always enjoy when a movie does that because it's a really good way of drawing you into the action okay so that's the story that's the story that's um, a scoop people that's the scoop that's a scoop um, some trivia. Uh, speaking of our of our favorite standbys, Louis Wolheim um, and Chester Morris, they were originally going to play oh. Burns and uh, Johnson, respectively. But Wolheim sadly died of stomach cancer oh. not long before this. And Morris, I'm not sure why he was dropped. Maybe because he just couldn't speak at the lightning pace Pat O'Brien does, uh, which, again, is very, very fast if you haven't picked that up yet. Um, but I think he and uh, Adolf Menju have really good chemistry. Um, I think they both do fine jobs. I think everybody does a great job in this, honestly. But yeah, yeah. No one, uh, no one stands out as terrible. Yeah, O'Brien actually played Walter Burns in the play, oh, and really? but, but the, the movie producers kind of screwed up and had him play Hildy Johnson. He just didn't uh, bother. Objects. Didn't bother objecting, and I guess. Like Walter and Hildy are all based on reporters that uh, the plays writers and the screenwriters, Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur, actually knew when they worked in Chicago. Oh, so, uh, okay. So that's why and probably why it feels so real. So this is it's a fascinating snapshot into uh, how like the whole fake news phenomenon has its roots in uh, way, way back. Think people have always been sensationalizing things and. It doesn't mean we have to stop the press from saying anything. God forbid we should not do that. But also, you know. There's been embellishments. There have been embellishments. <laughs> All right. So now that we've been talking about the acting for a little bit. Yeah, let's should get we, it. Should we start scoring? Sure. All right. So our first category is acting. Um, I think they did a pretty good job. I do, too. I mean, just keeping up with the pace is incredible. I mean... You know, Peggy, played by Mary Bryan, just does not get much to do. Um, right, right. So, I mean, I think I'll give it an eight. An eight was, I was wavering between an eight and a seven, but I'm I'm going to match your eight. Just for, for matching sake. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the writing. Obviously, it was a play, which, I don't know, uh, we should probably take a look at this and see whether it being a play links directly to it having a higher writing score i think that'd be interesting it is because yeah this it it feeds into this theory i kind of formulated that a lot of the early talkies it seems like were based on plays because again they hadn't really figured out how to properly do screenwriting for dialogue so it makes sense they would go to like popular plays at the time so i would you know i think that it is almost too fast paced because it's easy to miss a lot. You have to. I admire that, unlike a lot of the early talkies we see where they repeat things over and over and over again because they don't trust the audience to understand without intertitles. Mm-hmm. 
that seems to be the opposite here. They're like, well, if you can't keep up, get out. <laughs> I mean, uh, and so I think I might have to give it another eight. Another eight. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go ahead and. Gosh, because there are for me, there are a couple of plot holes. Right. Um, the jumping out of the window being like, I think, the most glaring. It was such a tonal shift that just didn't quite work. Yeah, that didn't quite yeah, land. Yeah, I, I might, I might give me a seven. On give that, you a seven, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, seven. Am I going to match your seven or not? That's I always take a long time on these. Yeah, um, it's hard to assign a number to something like this. I think it was generally good. Um, there's just like a couple of really large holes. The one, one being her jumping out of the window. The other one being the sheriff just handing this loaded gun to someone mm-hmm. that felt like a little bit too ridiculous and unbelievable, but you know, it, it works. It, it was, it was clearly there to move the story along. And the older I get, the more I realize that ridiculous things like that happen all the time. Okay. You, you've, you've convinced me. I'm also <laughs> going to award it a seven. <laughs> one, uh, yeah. Because that's true. I mean, and the fact that they, you know, another reason why I lowered it to seven, the fact that they just pass over the whole um, race issue. Not a single person of color is in the movie to say, hey. Yeah, they talk about them. They talk about them often very disparagingly, but uh, it would have been nice to have like a character of color, like maybe reporting on like a black paper or something like going, you know, no, this is a problem. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel weird about it because it is a cop and cops are notoriously not kind to black people, but it was a black cop and just stuff, something like that to like debate on it a bit more. But mm-hmm. it was mostly interesting in the white folks who surprised. All right, so a third category is cinematography. I think it's going to score highly. Very highly, very highly. I mean, there were some shots that I think, like, you know, you hear that Citizen Kane was the first movie to, like, do that low angle where you could see ceilings. Well, no, we saw it here in one scene when they're at a newspaper office. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's almost an exact uh, shot that was, like, in Citizen Kane. So, and yeah, just really good, like elevator shots too with the tracking and it just, mm-hmm. so I think I might give it a 10 actually. A 10? Yeah. I was going to give it a, a nine um, just because, I don't know. It is stage bound because of it's a stage yeah. play, but even within even those then, confines. It doesn't, it, it's definitely far better than you would expect a filmed play about a newspaper yes. drama. Yes, exactly. You, you would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely the director brought some experience from All Quiet and just has a good eye. He does. For that. He does. Very, very artistic eye. All right. Okay. So a nine for me just because it's not, probably just because it's not very well known, which is kind of unfair. Yeah, but, but it is what it is. Yeah, that, that's okay. Uh, let's see. So overall, how well do these three elements work together? Um, again, for me, it's like intellectually, I respect and I admire all these qualities, but emotionally, I just wasn't very drawn in. Um, yeah. And that's probably, I would guess out of these three categories, I think the writing just wasn't quite up to the level of Again, we have to keep comparing it to its later incarnation of His Girl Friday. Yeah. The you just didn't get that 
that good pace in chemistry. No, and no, that wasn't, I didn't care. wasn't because of the acting. Like I didn't care about anyone or really anything happening. I, I was amused. I was entertained, but I just, I, I didn't care. And I don't think that was particularly the design. I think it was to make us think and to make us laugh and entertain us. I don't think they were really wanting us to be as emotionally wrenched as, you know, Milestone's other movie, All Quiet on the Western Front did. But yeah, for me, it just, High scoring, intellectually, low scoring, emotionally. So I'm going to, I think I'll give it a, a five. Uh, no, no, a little higher, six. I think I'll six? go six, yeah. I mean, it is a good, solid movie. Mm-hmm. I just don't care about it that much. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give it a five to, or a five. Um, just because, I don't know, just like you, I wasn't drawn into it Mm-mm. particularly strongly. It's kind of like, just like you've been saying, you can acknowledge it as a very capably done movie, but it really lacks that emotional element to pull you in, really. I I cared maybe a little bit about Williams and right. Molly, but that would be about it. None of the principal characters drew me in that much. You can't, I mean, I cared about them a little bit, but it just it wasn't the same just wasn't the same chemistry that you would get i mean the main basis is this chemistry between a boss and his employee right which just isn't it just isn't like a good it it isn't and i think what's tough about it is that we're it's that pesky modern lens we're looking through again i think we have been trained by the movies we've grown up with and our own um our own opinions on things we're just sappier about this kind of thing than people were back then where it was just straight reporting uh embellish if you have to whereas now we're like no let's talk about the moral implications and uh so it just you know i think because we're modern viewers and that was such a movie of its time we're just not going to have the connection to it that an audience back then would have right right yeah a lot of it could be just the time Mm -hmm. that we're just not people of of the early 1930s. No. Uh, shall we go on to the bonus rounds? The b- b- bonus rounds? Let's, let's do this. Okay, so now we're going to give them some chance for bonus points. These categories are rated zero to five. That's right. And how about we start off with costumes and set? I mean, they were good. I mean, costumes weren't too glamorous because they were all a bunch of like, you know, rumpled reporters who've been probably sleeping in their suits for weeks. Um, you know, Mary was, or uh, Peggy was dressed nice, but not particularly standing out. Um, you know, the sets were actually really impressive. Um, it really did feel like it was taking place in a city, even though most of the action was in the office. That's a point. Yeah. Um, so I think I'll give it a three. Give it a three. Yeah. What say you? I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Um, just because, and it just didn't have that much of an opportunity. No. But at the same time, like these are bonus points. It's not penalizing them. No, for I mean it was. You couldn't think of a movie less about something like costumes and sets. It, they couldn't care less about that, and that's fine. That is perfectly fine. Yeah, they, they were telling a story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go into the next category: boldness. Um, pretty bold for its time, I think. Um, you know, I would, you, you 
kind of expect, again, looking through a modern lens for them to take more of a moral stance. I mean, it seems to be obvious that they're on the side of Williams going free of, mm-hmm. of not dying, which is, you know, good. But again, kind of neglects uh, like how that could actually like legitimately hurt the black community to see once again their their lives not being counted for anything. So it would have been really nice to get that other side. Right. Um, so I think I might have to give it a two. I'm going to match your two. Okay. Um, for pretty much all the same reasons. I feel like there's maybe if we were of that time, we would get a little bit more out of what they were saying in terms of like the race politics. But mm-hmm. um, as it is, we can't. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was only one side of the story, frankly. Yeah. We don't get to see that man who died, his family, and the ramifications of that. Yeah. They, they just don't care. They yeah. only care about Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a bummer that he, I, it, it's not clear whether he gets a reprieve from getting killed or if he has to like still stay in jail. Cause he did kill a man. And I mean, I do admire the boldness in not making it like ironically black and white because it wasn't like a race hate crime. It was this man who was, really kind of went mad because he had lost his job and lost everything and just did it out of desperation, probably not even paying attention to who he was shooting. Mm -hmm. And so it it does bring up all these different social issues that kind of conflict with each other. But again, it's just not enough attention is paid to it. You get a sense that Williams as a character is not all there. No, he's basically just like kind of a tool, what Hitchcock would call a MacGuffin. The plot kind of centers around him, but no one really is emotionally invested in him as a person, except for poor Molly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so not not a huge, like, this is the message right. sort of thing going on, and that might have cost it a little bit of points and right, boldness. Right, right. I mean, you can be too sanctimonious to hammer things down or whatever, but then you can go on the other extreme, and I think the movie does that a bit. Okay, how about its legacy? We've talked about his girl friday several times we talked about citizen kane which is kind of a big one and his girl friday isn't the only uh remake i guess walter matthau and jack lemon were in a version of this uh later on and i think there was another version made at some point so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna give it a five i think it i think you know it it really kind of helped invent you know the screwball comedy genre and it helped invent like the kind of newspaper story genre there've been there you know obviously something like with alibi we saw in the 20s had that newspaper aspect to it too but this is i think what really helped that genre sort of mm-hmm. take off and the whole fast talking kind of kind of kind of thing see uh which, yeah yeah definitely becomes a genre it does it does we'll be seeing more of it in the 30s <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna match your five okay uh, for those same reasons it seems like it had a lot of impact on a lot of later movies yes uh, let's talk about its longevity. How well does this movie stand up? Well, we've been talking about that a lot, about how it just doesn't have the same impact as on us mm-hmm. as it probably would had we been alive at that time. Um, and even in 1940, it didn't stand up enough to like retell it straight. They brought in Rosalind Russell. So I think that I... I'd, I mean, it does tell an interesting story and it tells it pretty well. I don't think people watching this today would hate it. I think they'd just be a little confused, maybe a little yeah. off put. So I I guess I'll give it a two. No, give it let's give it a one. Give it a one? Yeah. Okay. I hmm. 
See, my issue with this is that if you were watching this, like as we were um, <laughs> these days, and even just like if you weren't watching it for a podcast, you're just sitting down and you're deciding to watch the front page for some reason. Right. Uh, you would just think like, huh, that's a lot like His Girl Friday and then go watch that instead. Right. Exactly. I mean, His Girl Friday just had better chemistry, but a little they reined it in a little with the pacing. Mm-hmm. So that you could take it in a little bit more. It was just the better movie. Yeah. And again, this is not a bad movie. It's just His Girl Friday is better. Yeah, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it one point as well. OK, because I mean, it does stand up. It's not like atrocious or anything no, no, like no. that. No. It's just um, it's just very much of its time. Yep. Yep. And that's not a bad thing. There are several movies that I like today that probably won't will confuse audiences. 50 years from now. I mean, yeah. that doesn't make them bad movies or anything. It's just, it's an interesting snapshot of how uh, people might have viewed things back then. True. That's why I like old movies. It's like, <laughs> even when I don't like what they're saying or how they're saying it, it's like, well, this reflects some kind of attitude at that time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that. Okay. So our last category, it's last chance for, for uh, bonus points here are the technical aspects i feel like they did some pretty cool technical stuff well i think this is gonna rate pretty high for me because i mean dialogue wise this is definitely the most impressive movie we've seen so far of the talkie era um these were i think all stage trained actors who knew their craft and milestone was able to really capture that in a very audible way um, not and to do that while also combining some really good cinema cinematography, mm-hmm. I, think I'll, I think I'll go ahead and give it a five. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it, it's weird because there there aren't really like effects in it. Um, well, I mean, but there are to an extent, like when when you see things like the shot underneath the gallows yes i was just thinking of that and and the the weight dropping down towards you and everything like that those aren't you know it's not like cgi special effects type stuff but at the same time it's like that that takes some technical skill that does and it and again it's another thing i really respect about this movie that is a very impactful dramatic shot but mm-hmm. the people throwing down the weight are very matter of fact and businesslike about it there's no emotion it's like all this really heavy, intense, emotional stuff is happening, but people handle it just like it's everyday stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of the philosophy of the movie. It's it's some good storytelling just with through that shot. Yes. Just as an example of, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And then here are these completely calloused people sitting around talking about it. And throwing stuff out the window for a laugh. Like it's that kind of it's it's very macabre almost. Yeah. Yeah. Without making a big melodramatic deal out of it. Yeah. I respect this movie more than I like it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's what we've been leading to. Is yes. That it's, it's a very respectable. Respectable. I like that. Res- respectable. <laughs> it's a very rese- respectable uh, movie that um, that struggles with that emotional attachment. Yes. And for technical, I'm. Mm, five. I'm going to give it a four just to save the fives for, uh, I don't know. Movies we might like better this year. That we might like better this year. How many more do we have? Uh, I want to say like four. Holy crud. Okay. We're also 
uh, newsflash here, right off, hot off the presses right here. Um, we want to cover some movies that were not nominated that a lot of um, commentators on this era have said were basically robbed yes. of, of uh, Academy Award nominations. So uh, the public enemy being public one of enemy, them, little, little Caesar. Caesar, like we're really seeing the birth of like the gangster movie here. And I mean, you can't say this is a gangster movie because I mean, it deals with, you know, breaking the law, but not in a gangster sort of way. But the, yeah, they were just totally neglected by the Academy. Okay. So I'm tallying up the totals okay. and the total score for front page is a flat 90. Oh, that's pretty respectable. Speaking of respectable. Yeah, yeah. Not Nothing to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at. Let me see if I can look up. That puts it ahead of Skippy. I See, I was more emotionally moved by Skippy, if you can believe it. <laughs> I cared more about the dog Penny in that movie than I really did about any human in this one. Uh, let's see. It is. Looks like it's around the level of Broadway musical. Or Broadway Melody, excuse me. Am I right about that? I mean, I'd put it about on par with that. Yeah, The Racket actually was pretty close at 93. I mean, they're pretty similar movies when you think about it. I mean, this one was less serious in tone, but... Mm -hmm. I I liked The Racket more. Me too, me too. But again, that's the thing. It's like it's getting points because it's very respectable. It's very (laughs) respectable. Yeah, respectable. Um, But yeah, do we nominate it for an Oscar? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, it it almost seems like it deserves a Notsker nomination just on a on a technicality. I agree. Almost. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm gonna nominate it. Uh, it was okay. a very innovative movie. Uh, it, I think it inspired a lot. That's why it scored high in legacy, if not longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't love it, but um. So I'm hoping we find something that is just as respectable, but also uh, tugs at the heartstrings more. Because um, it would be weird if I like gave the Notsker to Skippy over this. I'd feel strange about that. <laughs> yeah, this is obviously a little bit more artistically um, accomplished. Right. I mean, at the same time, we shouldn't be dismissive of Skippy just because it's based on a comic strip about kids. Because uh, I think it did just as bad as well as you can with that kind of material. But, you know, you it's like you're, you're wanting to give this more because it is, it's like an adult movie. Yeah. But ah, I just was not moved by it. Yeah, yeah. It, that's the thing. It's like a beautifully shot, slightly subpar, mm-hmm. um, just the, with the setup, I think, from the very beginning. Yes. It, it lacked... It lacked the connections between the characters that would have really brought it together. I agree. The characters themselves were interesting. Mm-hmm. The situation was interesting. It's just linking those characters together just didn't just didn't work out. It didn't gel. Okay, so that is a Notsker nomination for the front page. Pa, 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 pa. Stop <laughs> the presses. It gets a Notsker nom. Notsker nom. Not the Notsker itself, though. That will come later and... It will be going head to head against Skippy for yep. one. For one, for one, we'll see what else uh, awaits us. Maybe uh, the next movies we see, we'll just knock them right both right down. We'll see. Possibly the Public Enemy and uh, yes. <laughs> Little Caesar, since we're picking those out specifically, right? But 
Um, oh, Blue Venus too with Marlena Dietrich. That's one you mentioned, right? Uh, no, I think you came up with that one. Oh, did I? But uh, I'll I'll make sure that we can add it to the queue. Very um, good, very good. I haven't seen that one, so I'm excited. Excellent. Okay, so you can link up with us on Twitter at ComebackAStar. You can also email us at ComebackAStarPodcast at gmail.com. And we do have a Facebook page if you just want to search ComebackAStar. We haven't put up much of anything on there. We possibly should at least put up the episodes. That's, that's <laughs> an idea. <laughs> but it is there. We are on Facebook. We are. We're, we're puttering around as best we can. Okay, is there anything else left to say? Um, anything left to report? Uh, all I want to tell you is that I'm having you arrested for stealing my watch. Oh, I see. Yep. You're, well, you're, you're I guess we're going to have to turn off this projector here and pull down the curtains. and With a big question mark, like like they ended the movie with. It's yes, just funny. you'll end with a the end question mark. I love when movies do that. It's like. Are you really trying to launch a series here? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, stay groovy, everyone. Yep. Everyone, take care. Stay safe out there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>